Hello, busy business owner. Are you tired of that overwhelming feeling, the burnout and constantly chasing after time while you build your business? Trust me, I have been there. And that's what inspired me to create a new group coaching program for service providers who are ready to ditch their complicated, confusing business that just keeps them busy and stressed all day. If you've been hustling for three to five years and you are not seeing the progress or the income that you want or the time freedom that you dreamed of when you started your business, then Thrive Through Simplicity Group Coaching Program is for you. It is a step-by-step framework to help you create a business that is simple, easy, and free from burnout. Visit chelseanewmeyer.com slash thrive through simplicity to learn more about how you can create a simpler, more fulfilling life and business with 12 months of support. It's time to break free from overwhelm. You've got this and I'll see you in the program. Hi, I'm Chelsea Neumeyer and I'm a time management and productivity coach. My goal is to help you go from overwhelmed to under control without a strict schedule or a bunch of productivity hacks. Each week, we'll talk about productivity mindset, actionable advice, my favorite resources, and you'll hear from guests just like you who are maximizing their limited resources. If you're anything like me, you're listening to this on the go, so check out the show notes and follow me on Instagram to learn more. Okay, let's start the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm so excited to be welcoming Sammy Bedell Mohern. She's a podcast host and digital marketing strategist supporting nonprofits and small business owners in online marketing strategies. She works with businesses to build, grow, and retain their ideal clients, donors, and customers. When she's not working, she's spending time with her two kids and husband and exploring all Minneapolis has to offer. Thank you so much for being here today, Sammy. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I love, I feel like our paths have kind of keep bumping into each other and coming back out and that was on your show and now you're on mine and so it's been a lot of fun to just connect in that glorious entrepreneur space <laughs> have a lot of fun yeah with I love it it's so collaborative it's so fun it is well I know I just read your bio but I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and your business and what inspired you to get started yeah so I've kind of you know ebbed and flowed worked in the startup nonprofit space worked in the for-profit space worked for established nonprofits. And kind of through it all have just learned what I like to do and some of the things that I don't like to do and have always just had an entrepreneurial spirit. So we had a life change and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to look for jobs. I'm just going to start my own thing. And over the course of that, have just really enjoyed helping small businesses and nonprofits that don't have the marketing background to really see their vision, help them bring their vision to life, help them make bigger impact. And just love that I can help more nonprofits by consulting with them than by working just for, for one. So it's just fun just sit and strategize and learn what their dreams are and then kind of help them see the big picture outside of, you know, we're in our own little heads and in our, in our bubbles. Absolutely. And I love that we both share that nonprofit background too. I spent the last decade of my career in nonprofits and And so I think there's such a great opportunity there. And they're often, you know, they're one of those clients that I say like they're maximizing their limited resources, right? They really have to get the most done with the least, at least staff, at least time and energy Mm -hmm. and money. So I think where you support them with content creation and marketing is so incredibly valuable. And that's what we're going to dive in today is all about that content creation piece, right? And so when you're working with a nonprofit or small business client, they're coming to you and saying, I'm really struggling with content. I feel like that's such a big, broad question. It is. What are some of the the kind of 
quick questions that you're asking them back to help them really narrow down what the challenges are? Yeah, well, I think it comes first to like giving them the reasons why this content is going to support them. So mm -hmm. it's mostly like, I don't have time for this. It's not going to provide value for my business. Okay. So it's more like breaking that barrier down first and saying, okay, well, imagine if you created one long form blog post a month or even every other week, then that fuels your email marketing, that fuels your social media marketing, that fuels like even just bringing to light, like your staff that's at answering the phones. Like now all of a sudden they have resources that they can quickly push out there. Like really that, that content piece can support your organization as a whole, both online and offline. When you're having conversations with people one-on-one -on -one and they say, Hey, well, could you tell me a little bit more about this program? I'm really interested. You don't have to go back to your desk as a development person and say, okay, yeah, let me put something together for you. You have a list of things that you could just say, Hey, yep, here's this blog post we wrote. It's got all the great information. You're sending people to the website and it's just streamlining the whole picture. So I like to make sure they understand the purpose because it is a longer term strategy. And so we have to find those wins where we can um, while it's kind of starting to build and grow. Absolutely. And and you bring up a really good point. I know I asked like a very, very big, broad question, All good. But, but really understanding like the type of content you're creating supports a goal, right? Or, or a mission that you have. And so I think even taking a step back, you know, just I always come back to brainstorming, right? It always comes back mm -hmm. to like getting all of those ideas out. And so how do you help clients think, think about, like you mentioned, like talking to a donor, like where do people get those kind of content ideas before yeah. we even dive into how we break it up and repurpose it? Yeah, I think it comes down to what are the goals of your organization? Like, what are you really trying to accomplish? Is it that people that you're reaching out to aren't necessarily aware of the work that you do? are you wanting to share more about the specifics? So like, let's say you're working on food scarcity. There's like a hundred million ways you can have an organization. Like how are you supporting kids? Are you supporting families? Are you supporting homeless people? Are you supporting agencies? Are you a food bank? Like really making sure that you're not getting stuck in like this, well, we have to talk about everything right away, but really going back to our goals so that we understand what types of content that we need uh, to build that out. And then um, I always just like to ask why, because people will, in conversation, if they just say, well, we should talk about the food drive that we're having. Well, why do people care about the food drive? Well, why do they care about that? Well, why do they care about that? Now, all of a sudden, you've already created eight different blog posts that you can write about one thing that you thought was just, we're going to talk about the food drive. So then very quickly, you can see how everything spirals. And then suddenly... I've got clients that are like, okay, now where are we going to find the time to actually like share all this stuff? We have so many good ideas. Like now we don't know, like now we're overwhelmed with the opposite. Like we have too many things to talk about. How do we, how do we organize it? So then that kind of becomes the next step. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Cause that's, that, that takes care of that. It's the scary Blake screen, right? Like yes. if, you, if you can start thinking about exactly the goals, asking yourself why, listening to donors, listening to your clients or customers, like what kinds of questions are they asking? That's all content. And then anybody can, even if you're not writing the content yourself, if you're part of that organization, you can still be kind of adding to the, the again, that list. So we avoid yeah. the, the scary blank screen. 
piece. No, I used to work for a company and, you know, one of the members on the marketing team would say, we need more content, like constantly. That, that's <laughs> what we heard. We need more content. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't like what, what does that mean? So if you can come up with, if you can brainstorm and sit down with your team and just come up with a bunch of ideas, then you can go to members on your team that you know are experts at certain things and say, hey, would you write 500 words on this topic? And then it's like, oh yeah, no problem. But if you say, hey, everybody's responsible for writing a blog post so we could all share the load, like <laughs> that doesn't work. Oh, that's incredibly intimidating. And like I wouldn't even know what to start. And then you're also running the the risk of conflicting information or overlapping or redundant. And yep. yeah, so yep. I I love that approach. Okay, so folks have their list. The team has their list. And now in my mind, this is what this is what Chelsea would do as the over <laughs> over planner that she is, a progressive planner that I am is I would try to like hyper strategize which order everything is going to go so that we're talking about something like, you know, yeah. and, and I think that's where, again, speaking for myself potentially, but I can see other clients or, or organizations getting hung up on, on that part of the strategy. Just what mm -hmm. order <laughs> yep. to talk about stuff. Well, I'm going to give you two scenarios because I'm like you, I have like a master spreadsheet that makes most people go crazy, but we're not going to start there. I'll go there for those of you that are in that boat, but first it's about just getting started. Mm -hmm. So just create and just get started because you also want to like flex that muscle, get into the habit and start building that consistency. So it's more about what can I get done consistently than what order is it that I'm sharing? Because remember this blog content is going to live on your website for forever. And so you have opportunity to repurpose it. You have opportunities to update it, add it, add to it, change it over time. So it's not wasted effort. So just get started. That would be my first thing. Kind of the middle phase, if you're like, well, we want to be a little bit more strategic, pay attention to your goals like and things that are time sensitive. So you might have an event coming up or you might have like a big fundraising drive. So just, you know, lining things up a month or two ahead of when, you know, you have some of those time sensitive things. And then for those of you that are super obsessed with spreadsheets, like I have my whole promotional calendar on one spreadsheet. I know when I need to start promoting for events. And so I do, I start to line out all of my content based off of what I know is coming up. Now, like you, I have a podcast. And so my podcast, I've chunked it up monthly. So each month has a theme. So that has made it a little bit easier for me to kind of process it in a bigger chunk as opposed to every month I need to talk about a brand awareness and I need to talk about a product and I need to talk, you know, like not getting that focused. But I think it's just more important that you that you get started and then grow into making sure that things are time sensitive based off of what major rocks you have and the goals that you have. Uh, for your organization. It's so important. I love that. I love that you kind of gave it in, in layers, right? Because you're absolutely right. Just getting started and being consistent is going to be that that's like the biggest hurdle, right? Once you can get past that, then we can start getting more nuanced and, and more strategic mm -hmm. through it. And then I also love the point you made about the blogs live forever. This is long form content that if you are promoting something three or four months from now, you can reshare that blog post, that content, and it's it's not going to be, you know, your audience probably is not going to remember that they read it three months ago anyway, or at least not the initial kind of heading of it. So, you know, I think don't be scared to show your audience the same thing mm -hmm. more than once. 
because yep. that will that will also help with some of that strategy piece. A hundred percent. I mean, you see this at the beginning of the year, all of a sudden you notice when you're searching for things, the post will say 2022 updated for 2023. Like it happens, you're seeing that on YouTube, like you see it all over everywhere. Like they are not creating new stuff. They're taking that content that they know works that has like really core good information and just updating it every year. And then when we're building out the kind of those rocks, as you mentioned, so if you have an event coming up or you Mm -hmm. have a launch or something major, obviously we want to try to work backwards from there, right? With the content, especially if it's promotional, specifically promotional about that event, that has to be, that's timely, right? But that specific content uh, or the longer form content, you mentioned something I'd love to talk more about in our pre-meeting about that people aren't necessarily even seeing it in order. So can you talk a little bit more about how we can I don't know, ease some of the, the stress or anxiety around like Instagram, social media posts, uh, tools like that, where people, yeah, people aren't seeing it in order. No, they're not. So this is where long form content becomes amazing. So if you can create like one really epic blog post about your event and maybe, okay, so let's just say you are doing a 5k fundraiser. So we're going to do a really long blog post. That's going to talk about all of the reasons why people like what the benefit is for that event. We're going to highlight some of the sponsors. We're going to have some of the sponsors tell us what they're, how they're training and getting ready for the race and what their teams are doing to compete with each other. We're going to create like, I mean, for an event, create like one really long, like maybe even 2000 word blog post. Because then what you're going to do, you you featured all of the important information, the register, the sponsors, you know, the, the impact. As you do your social media posts, whatever they see or your email newsletters, you're driving everybody back to that main post. So they'll see all of the information that they need. So maybe they got excited about the story about the sponsor and the competitiveness that they're having within their teams. They're like, oh, well, we want to do this at our company. When they go back there to learn more, they're going to get all that information about how to get in touch with you about sponsoring. Or they can get the information on how to share with their friends and families. Or they can register. But it's all there in one package. So it doesn't matter what people see when they see it. They're still going to get all that information. That's absolutely brilliant. I love that. And I think that that's, again, that kind of solves that, that big challenge of getting, getting that, that timely information out. And it also doesn't mean that you can't share other things in the meantime either. Right. So if that long form content is a month or two before the event, then you know, if you have a weekly blog post, right? Like other stuff is going to support that content. But I love the idea of having that kind of master Mm -hmm. spot to keep sending everyone back to. Well, and here's where it gets better is we know that search engines like the, the, they know the pages on our website that are getting the most traffic. So let's say this is an annual thing that you do. Then again, like we said earlier, you just update that post every single year. You don't create new. So then you're continuing to drive more and more traffic to that page every single year which means that it's going to continue to get higher and higher rankings year over year because it's being shown as like an important page on your website. So you're not investing in like, okay, now I have to write like 3000 words every single year. No, you're just updating that. And, you know, maybe now you have an archive of photos for next year and you have like at the bottom, here's some of the fun we've had in years past and you can feature the winners and the teams, right? So you're just continuing to build that piece, not redo every single year. Oh my gosh. That's a great little SEO tip little too. Because yeah. I it's not a hack, but yeah. <laughs> no, that's a really good tip because I think that I I mean I 
used to, in a job a million years ago, I was responsible for creating a lot of content and SEO was something that we were very aware of. And I feel like that's kind of not something we hear about in the, in the day-to-day world. Um, You're not necessarily thinking about it, especially when it comes to like more short form content. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's really, really important because people are still Googling. People are still just searching for stuff. And so I think it's a, it's a missed opportunity to not have it pages show up when you're just Googling. Yeah. Cool. So you mentioned creating this long form content and then repurposing it. Let's talk a little bit more about like email marketing though. Cause I think that that's a really kind of intimidating topic, but it's so, so powerful. And would you agree that it's probably more impactful than social media? I, yeah. Like social media, you hear this all the time. I'm sure like social media is a thing that it, it, everybody wants to do things that they need to do. Yada, yada, yada. So hard changes all the time. You don't have any control and I'm with you. And like for years, email marketing, I think even the stats still in 2023 is it's like $36 ROI for each dollar invested in email marketing. And it's been that case for what, like five, six years, yeah. it may mm-hmm. be even longer. So it is the single most revenue, single largest revenue driver you can do in digital marketing, like period. So yes, <laughs> I'm on board with you. I agree. <laughs> So if someone is just getting started and like this, you know, organization is just getting started, how can they kind of get the biggest bang for their buck with emails right away? Yeah. Well, so the beauty of it's a lot easier for nonprofits than it is for small mm-hmm. business owners, because we bring in, you're bringing in donors, they're automatically going onto your email list. So your list growth is easy. So don't like waste that ease, right? If you're, if you're in a small business, you know, like we could do a whole episode on on list growth strategies. So I'm not, you know, going to go too much into that there. But once you have your list, it's really just taking that long form content and breaking it down and giving them teasers and just saying like, hey, like we think, you know, telling them a little bit of a story, like making it a little bit personal. Maybe it's from your executive director and it's them just saying like, oh my gosh, I remember when we founded this event. And this was my first experience. It was so amazing. We'd love to, you know, invite you, blah, blah, blah. Sharing some quick little highlights and then driving them to the website. We're not trying to give them everything in the email. It's just a highlight reel. It's just like a, you know, here's something you're going to want to see. Like you don't want to miss out on this, you know, this piece of content. I always say like, start with a little bit of a personal story that kind of dives into the problem that you're solving with that blog post then go into the meat and potatoes and then kind of wrap it up with a call to action. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I, I think that personal element is so important for email because it is an opportunity for you to get to know the people that you're, or them to get to know you. Right. And those people are committing, you know, they're, they're giving you that little tiny space in your inbox and and you want to give them something that's going to be engaging for them to read. So make it personal. And I also mm-hmm. always remind myself like people buy from people. So yeah. that personal connection is also really important, especially if you're doing the nonprofit type work, right? Because that is such personal mm-hmm. work and people want to be able to connect to the mission and the organization themselves. Well, I think the thing we need to understand is there's a thousand people out there that do what we do. I don't care <laughs> what industry you're in. I don't care if you sell a product, if you're a service, if you're a nonprofit, like there, it, it, there's so many people that do what we do. 
So you have to make it personal because that's how people connect and that's how they choose or self-select. I mean, it's, we should say too, like, it's super important. Your content and your email is going to also let people know that you're not right for them. And while Mm -hmm. that might feel counterintuitive, it's super important because now you're not wasting time and putting effort and energy into somebody who isn't going to be a customer. And you can focus on those that are. Yeah. Oh, it used to hurt my feelings when people unsubscribed. (laughs) Now you're like, yeah, I'm not paying for you. And even because you're not going to buy from me anyway. <laughs> I know. And it's, it was, yeah, it was brutal. And I would always go see who it is and when they joined yes. from. And I was like, like, okay, like it's, it's really not that big a deal. And to your point, I would much rather have someone who is interested and excited and, you know, maybe they're still following me in other places, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not super worried about it anymore. But it used to, it used to hurt. <laughs> a little bit especially when it's somebody you know and you're like hmm. oh yeah Hi. I had to make a, I made a family segment so that my poor parent like if I'm in a launch or something my family doesn't get bombarded oh, that's smart that <laughs> with emails smart <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah so so there's lots of different ways to kind of change that up but uh, yeah we're just reinforcing the point that that it's it's personal it's it's about that that connection and to not be scared that you're going to bother someone because if they don't like it, like if they're not interested in your email, if they're not going to, if they're, if they're bothered by two emails a week from you, then they're so bothered that they need to unsubscribe and they're just not a good fit for you anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's one thing too, is um, people are nervous about kind of bothering or or over emailing. And well, and my favorite is the people that will write you and say, your content sucks. You're terrible. I hate all of it. Why are you sending me this stuff? I don't want, you know, like the angry people. And I will have clients be like, well, I don't want to send too many emails because I don't want to get that feedback. And I think we just, it's the same on social media. When we get the negative comments, like we really need to reframe that for ourselves and be like, if they're literally taking the time to message us, that's an opportunity for a conversation. Like take that as a challenge. Like doesn't mean you need to convince them to join your cause, but like reach out, say, Hey, you know what? I'm so sorry that we're bothering you. And, you know, is there something that you would appreciate hearing about? I'd be happy to share that with you one-on-one and still take you off my list. But at least, you know, you could get the information that you're looking for. Like turn it in, you never know, turn it into an opportunity. They might've just been having a crap day and they took it out on you. And now you can have a conversation and kill them with kindness and let them know that you're here and whatever information they're looking for, you can help them one-on-one. Like you never know where that conversation is going to go. So like we, again, like that's the work. First, it comes at you and you're like, I'm a terrible person. I Now I have to stop doing email altogether because one person wrote me and said they're annoyed. Flip that in your brain and turn it into a conversation. Uh, spoken like a true development professional because <laughs> yeah. I have gotten donors. I've gotten, I've gotten gifts out of those exact yeah. conversations. Someone really cranky at a solicitation that went out and we reached out, we you know, talk to that, talk it through and yeah, then they're, then they're back. And yeah. it's, it's always worth it to, to have that, uh, that follow-up. And I always joke too, like, you know, the day I get a troll like that is the day I know I've made it right. Like someone's paying attention. And to me, that's, that's kind of exciting too. Yeah. Right? Agreed. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. And, and thinking about I'm, my head is spinning a little bit because I'd love to deep dive into the, to the nonprofit <laughs> space, but I have not particularly, banks. yeah, they're their own beasts, as you know. 
but really thinking about this both again both from a nonprofit and from a small business perspective it's still both organizations are again really needing to to maximize those limited mm-hmm. resources so getting that content out via email being personal with it having fun write in your own voice don't again something we don't necessarily need to like overthink all that much so yeah again just like with your blogs like just get started your audience will tell you what they like and what they don't like and then after you do it for a few months just ask them like do you like is this the kind of stuff you want to hear how often would you like to hear from me would you like to hear something different but give them something to chew on and kind of see what's what's out there and then those conversations will come you just got to get started perfect all right so i think we i think we walked through like some of the higher stuff right so we're starting with that brainstorm get all the content ideas out so you're not staring at a blank page and then doing something really in-depth long form that has all the information that is relevant to that particular topic or event mm-hmm. or promotion and then just using that as the the to backtrack back to that with email social media mm-hmm. uh, everywhere else you're gonna be pull it out chunk it out that's the yeah, yeah. oh my gosh that's so helpful and it's it's something that's again kind of always in the back of my mind but I over strategize it so that's why I'm glad I asked the question of like how detailed do we need to be about this and and what's the what's that level of strategy behind it yeah well I think I mean with anything with marketing it's all about testing and understanding what your audience wants and that's the hard part about digital marketing is that the core foundations are the same all the time but what works today doesn't work as well tomorrow and maybe we'll come back and work great in two weeks. And so you really have to work and test within your own audience. And so, yes, there's always more sophistication you can layer in, but you don't need to jump to that, right? Like just get started, start to build those data points, start to understand what your audience wants. And then you layer the next thing in, and then you layer the next thing in, right? We can get super technical with SEO. We can get super technical with email marketing. We can get super technical with paid advertising. But if you don't know what that core foundation is, for your audience and who you are and how you operate, then it's like, you know, running before you can walk. And that's, yeah. I think, where people get overwhelmed. Absolutely. And you made a really uh, important note ter- there too that jumped out to me, which is about the data. So as people are working through this, as as they're they're attempting and, and workshopping the, the system, what data should they be mm-hmm. keeping track of? So again, it goes back to what your goals are for your organization, because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we tend to get stuck in, oh, well, this is how many people are on our list, or this is how many impressions we got. Like impressions mean zero. Like you might feel real good because you have a thousand impressions, but like it doesn't really matter. So, you know, I just recommend really running, making sure you have Google Analytics running on your website. Even if you don't touch it for three months, that's fine, but at least you're collecting the data. I love Microsoft Clarity, which is a newer analytics tool. I think it's only a couple years old. I could be wrong there, but it's great. It has some more of the screen hot or similar to hot jar. So it has like some of the heat mapping and then you can actually watch how people are engaging. And so just making sure that those things are running on your website, which is super easy to do. Uh, then you can go back. And what we want to look at over time is what pages are performing, like what are most people looking at and making sure that that's an alignment. We want to make sure we're tracking 
then also like clicks, like, are we getting people actually ca calling us? Is that is that a metric we want to track? Are we getting people that are donating through the website? Are we getting people to register through the website? Like, where are people taking action on the website? And is that what our intention was so that we mm -hmm. can kind of tweak and refine? Um, there's some other things like making sure you know you're looking at the location because sometimes your website's not performing because for whatever reason, everybody's coming to you from, you know, Las Vegas, Nevada, but you live in Las Vegas, Iowa, whatever. I don't know if that's <laughs> even a thing, but you know what I'm saying? Like really kind of, you know, then yeah. you use the data to troubleshoot when things aren't working. And then when things do work, you know, like all of a sudden, is there a spike in traffic? Well, what happened that day? So mm -hmm. it's a little bit nuanced. But, and you need to track over a period of time, but really just making sure that you, so many organizations just don't even have those tools up and running and they're free. Yeah. One of my nonprofit clients right now is getting really intentional about that, the traffic on the website and making sure that we're as much as we can showing visitors information that they're going to be excited about. And that's through those kind of pop-up prompts, mm -hmm. right? But it's also that tracking and seeing what they're what they're clicking on so that we know you know how can we revamp a page how can mm -hmm. we make sure that it is the most trafficked pages are providing the content information that we need people to see so it's not so much as like convincing them to be somewhere else it's just really optimizing where people are already going too well into yeah to your point like perception is reality so we know what we do in our organization and we know what our priorities are and we know what we think we're best at but that doesn't mean that the public has any idea right so if people are going more to like let's say you offer like to let's say you make like men's shoes and women's baseball caps i don't know <laughs> and like you think like you started your business to make really cool baseball caps for women and then but when you look at your website, all the traffic is going towards men's shoes. Like, okay, well, that's a clear sign that like what you think your messaging is, is not in alignment. It doesn't mean it's bad. Maybe you need to shift and pivot and focus more on the shoes because you're driving more money there. But that's how it can kind of help you understand, just like you're saying, am I saying the right thing to the right people? And then your blog content is fantastic at kind of helping to guide those journeys and get people to where they need to go. Yeah, very, very cool. That's great. I love it. All right. So changing direction a little bit, because one of my favorite things on this podcast is to see behind the scenes of entrepreneurs. So would you walk us through a normal kind of day or week <laughs> in your life? And I, I always put normal in air quotes. Normal. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I have a pretty consistent morning routine. So like I'll, I get up at five 30 and I usually do a lot of the mundane tasks, like make sure my social scheduled, go through email. So I do that until about seven, try to like, just get all of that crap off my plate. So I'm not thinking about it. Then I usually do like a quick little workout, get ready. And I'm getting the, like all the kids are to school by nine. So from seven to nine is kind of like get ready time. So that then when I come home at nine, like I can jump into projects. So that's how my mornings typically go. And then I try to chunk out my days. Like Tuesday, Wednesdays are usually my content creation days. So those are typically when I record my podcasts. It's also when nobody's in my house. So um, <laughs> it's easier that way. And then Mondays and Fridays, I try to I try to keep meeting free as much as possible just because then I can focus more on client work. So that's kind of how I try to structure it doesn't always go that way. But again, too, like, I know you talk about this a lot. Like I know at, after two o'clock, 
if I'm, I'm not doing anything that requires a lot of brain power. So that nine to 11 is really like critical, get things, big projects that require me to yeah. process information done. That's perfect. And I, I love to hear another person who like does stuff before they work out. Cause that was a game changer in my life. I have to. Yeah. I cannot wake up and work out. It just, I'm not awake enough to do it. I don't love working out. So it's already a struggle. So the, that's the last thing I want to do first thing in the morning. So I'm happy to hear another person who has that bit of a buffer time. Just, well, yeah. plus the house is all sleeping. So I don't want to like wake everybody up. Oh, that's very, mine is much more selfish than that. <laughs> no, well, but it's also like, um, I know they say like, you shouldn't get up and check your phone right away. And I don't check my email right away. But like, I know, like just the way my brain works, like there's, I know there's things sitting there. And mm -hmm. so if I can just tackle those and get them done, then I just feel much more at peace. Like, okay, those things are off my plate. I know people have been hand uh, addressed. It's been the hardest thing in my life has been learning that I don't have to reply to people's emails within 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. like, I can turn notifications off on my email. Like if they don't hear from me for a couple hours, the world is not going to fall apart 24 hours even like you'll be fine. But that's like the hardest gut reaction for me that I always have to like suppress. <laughs> Let's talk more about that. Cause that's a really, that's a really good talking point. Cause I'm sure a lot of people feel like that immediate sense of, of reaction. So how have you started to wean yourself off from that immediate response? Well, a couple of things. I recorded a podcast, I don't even know with who, and she was sharing about how like more and more companies are creating communication strategies and communication plans. So like people know, hey, I'm working in the middle of the night because I have a newborn baby and that's just when we're up. So you do not need to respond to my emails, like setting those expectations. So that was one thing that triggered me to like really pay attention to that. And then also I love Google's um, schedule feature. So mm -hmm. I've now just started scheduling those. So like, even if I still feel like I need to write it right away, so it's off my plate, I'll still schedule it for two or three hours later. Because I also had a string of clients that started texting me all the time and were like wanting things done within like immediately. And we teach people how to treat us, right? Mm -hmm. So when they're getting those immediate responses from me, it's like, okay, well now I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to continue to get that kind of response. So if I am at my computer and I know it's kind of maybe a problem, I shouldn't say this, but I know it's maybe a problem client, or I know that I can't work on that project right away. I'll schedule the email. So they get it a few hours later. And then sometimes I'll just shut down my, I like really, this is the hardest one, but I'll just shut down my email tab. And then I don't have email notifications on my phone. Mm -hmm. So when I'm done, when I'm shut down for the day, I don't get any email notifications. I do not check my email before I go to bed because I don't want to have any of that like lingering in my brain. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's perfect. No, that, that's, that's great. And those are all super solid tips that I share with my clients as well. And that, that we teach people how to treat us or how to communicate with us is absolutely huge. And one of the most powerful conversations I've ever had in a team when I was still working in a, in an office was we sat around and talked about, this is actually before my business started, but we, we talked about our personal productivity Mm. and communication. So for example, what's the best way to get in touch with someone, right? If it truly is an emergency, should I email? Should I text? Should I call? Yep. And what is, what defines an emergency? Yes. And then we what defines an emergency? 
And then we talked about expectations for email turnaround because we had someone on our team who was pretty terrible at email and would hold up projects because they weren't responding in a timely manner. And so we had to talk through that. And so if you have, if you have a team, this is absolutely an important conversation to be having with them. And if it's just you and your clients, then it's a really important expectation to set with clients about the turnaround time for emails. You can always respond faster. Like you said, you can schedule those emails out or you can you can respond a little bit faster if your time allows, but build in that buffer time for yourself because life happens. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to be the person who just says like, oh yeah, I'll get that to you tomorrow. But like, if they don't need it by tomorrow, then why don't you just tell them, you know, Friday and then give give yourself that little bit of wiggle room for life or another project or something else to to just give you space so that you can work on it and then think about it and then review it so you're not rushing but that's that's a a hard lesson it's also like reiterating to people in your circle over and over and over again like you can't just have the conversation once and expect it to be handled so Mm -hmm. like for our our maintenance plans depending on the level that you are has a different response time right and it has a different response like if you're on our essentials plan, you have um, 24 hour response time via email. Like we don't take phone calls. Like I, that's the other thing. I don't answer my phone. If it's not somebody that I'm expecting a phone call from, if it's a client that we don't have a scheduled call. I don't answer it. I'll, they leave a voicemail and I respond, you know, based off mm-hmm. of my availability. But so we have to, and so we consistently reiterate, Hey, just so you know, this is the plan that you're on you know, we'll get back to you in 24. We've received your request. We'll have this handled within 24 hours. But like, and monthly when I'm communicating with them on the updates for their website, like we're constantly telling that over and over because when people get into an emergency situation, like all of that, like logic flows out their heads and they're like, well, this isn't what I paid for. And this isn't what I wanted. And you said you were going to do this. And it's like, so you have to continually communicate those, those um, constraints or the expectation. Yeah, yeah, the boundaries. Because I, I, I work. It probably said it sounds fairly similar to, to how you do it for my nonprofit clients. I only work a certain number of hours a week, and there's flexibility because technically it's a monthly hour. Yeah. So if one week gets really busy, then the next month it's or the next week's a little bit lower, right? So I can I have room there, but I have to remind them like, yeah, I only have eight hours for you this yep. week, and I have to say that professionally. I have to say that nicely. But it's, it, it, you're absolutely right. It needs to be reinforced and, you know, professionally, kindly, but those boundaries are really, really important because it's, it's so easy to just let that stuff start slipping. And then all of a sudden you're the one bearing the burden of being overwhelmed and overstrapped, and then you're not delivering well for your clients. So I love that. That's such a good, such a good point. The joys of entrepreneurism. (laughs) Yeah. And then again, like practicing what I preach, right? Like that's the other complete of it too is that we we have all those things in place but sometimes it's hard to it's hard to but I think we we do that in the development space too where like if a donor calls us and it's like hey can you grab lunch today we're immediately like oh yeah okay we we better shift everything around to grab lunch and then you go have lunch and they literally just wanted to hang out and like like they just had a free moment open in their schedule you know so like it's okay to say like hey you know i'm really slammed today like is there something i can address right away otherwise could we put lunch on the calendar next week like it's okay to like you're not coming across as you don't care about them you're not coming across as if you don't value their time 
but they're going to appreciate you saying like, hey, we've got this project that we're working on right now. Like, I know you know about it. Like, could we maybe push it back? Like understanding that them taking you away from that is going to take away from your fundraising. Like, just be clear and open and honest. You don't have to jump every time somebody says, hey, can we get together or we need to chat? You know, ask some clarifying questions and figure out what, what the need is and see how you can address it so you don't uproot your whole schedule. That is so true. And that applies to the entrepreneurial space, I think, with like sales calls, right? Yes. So you can do the same the same thing if someone says like, hey, I want to chat with you about XYZ program. I feel like instinctually we're all like, oh my God, yeah, of course, like a sale. But you know, we, we get we get that same level of like, let me drop everything and handle this. And no, it's okay to reserve mm-hmm. sales times calls. It's okay to reserve time on your yeah. calendar for when you're going to respond to DMs or, or schedule those kinds of meetings. And if they're really that excited about working with you, if they're really that invested in donating to your organization, they're going to make it fit in oh, their wait. schedule too. <laughs> yes. It's okay. so good. It's such a good point. Yeah. It's okay. And it's, you know, again, we want to be accommodating. We don't want to say I only take sales calls Tuesdays from nine to, you know, 10, but it's, it's, there's balance there. That's really, really important. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> well, this has been an absolutely awesome conversation. I feel like we covered a lot of really good stuff and I feel like we should have a follow-up call to nerd out more about the, the productivity <laughs> of it too. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Cause like, this is what I love to just get to see kind of behind the scenes of how everybody how everybody does it a little bit differently and still finds a way that it works for them. That's really what's most important to me about this. So Timmy, where can folks find you? Oh, oh, I have my, my rapid fire questions before I forget. Oh, oh no my gosh. Okay. So are you a morning person or a night person? Morning bedtime by eight 30. <laughs> if I can, like not a night person. That's great. Paper and pen or all digital? Both. Uh, both paper and pen for my brainstorming and day-to-day like my own stuff but our whole world lives in ClickUp if it's not in ClickUp it's not getting done perfect perfect and what is your favorite way to relax oh geez I enjoy going out to a happy hour with my husband where we can just both leave the house and just go sit and chill for a minute because I'm in my house all the time Um, but if it's just me I like to sit on the couch with like a real good trashy reality tv show love that that's perfect (laughs) That's great. Real. Yeah. <laughs> that is self, that is pinnacle self-care, I think. But I relate strongly to the, like, sometimes you just got to get out of the house because when you work from home, yep. sometimes you just got to, you just got to change yep. your scenery. <laughs> yep. That's perfect. All right, Sammy, where can people find you, learn more about you and get some other great advice on content creation? Yeah. So um, you can go to thefirstclick.net. You can find all things, our podcast, all of our free resources and whatnot there. I'm most active on LinkedIn. Probably easier to find the first click there and find me that way just because my name is spelled in all sorts of weird ways. But yeah, that's I hang out most on, on LinkedIn um, and would love to connect and chat with you over there. Perfect. But I'll put all of that in the show notes and I'm sure people will be reaching out. But thank you so much for being here today. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for enjoying another episode of From Overwhelmed to Under Control. I hope you're feeling one step closer to your goals. Don't forget to check out the show notes and follow along on Instagram at Chelsea and Coaching. I look forward to talking to you soon.